This is our last week in our series on forgiveness. We've been uh, working from Adam Hamilton's book called Forgiveness, Finding Peace by Letting Go. As clergy staff, we're looking at the, the material from Adam Hamilton. We really liked it, but we felt it was missing something. And so we added this week, it is not in the Adam Hamilton book, a week focusing on forgiving ourselves. And so in that spirit, I want to read to you two scriptures. The first is from the gospel according to Mark, and I'm going to read to you more than it says in your bulletin. I didn't catch this in time. I apologize. So I'm reading you from Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 28. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked Jesus, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, Jesus said to the scribe, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask Jesus any more questions. And our second reading comes from Paul's first letter to Timothy. I'm reading to you verses 12 through 17. Paul wrote, I am grateful to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflows for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of, which I am, of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason I received mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. All of these are the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. I ask you please to pray with me. May the words that I say and the reflections that go through all of our minds, may these give you pleasure, God, you who are our rock, you who save us. Amen. For some of us, forgiving ourselves is the hardest thing. I think about a friend of my mother's. Uh, Kay is a lovely woman. And when she was a little girl, her mom was sick a lot. And so there was a phase, I don't know how old she was, maybe five or six, when they would get up in the morning and have breakfast, and then they would go to hospital to see her mom in the hospital. And the situation was quite serious. But then it was Christmas. 
and the family got up and she had breakfast and they were about to take her to the hospital and she cried and said, well, couldn't I just open some presents? It's Christmas. And so her dad and her grandparents relented and she was allowed to stay home and open some presents first. Then, we, then they went to the hospital. When they got to the hospital, her mother had just died. And Kay felt horrible. How could she have been so selfish? This is the word she said to herself. How could she be so selfish as to want her present rather than to be with her mother when her mother was so sick? She felt terrible and beat herself up over this uh, thing from his, her early childhood. It was such an issue in her life that years later, when she met my mom, they were both in their 40s at the time they became friends, she was still telling this story about herself as this terrible child who was so selfish. She couldn't forgive herself. She couldn't let it go. And it was a wound in her life that impaired the joy that she might have felt. Forgiving ourselves can be really hard. We struggle over what we did. Sometimes we struggle over what we didn't do. And these things can be uh, just as damaging for us or even more damaging than the things we carry around that others have done to us. Throughout the series on forgiveness, we've been using Adam Hamilton's uh, imagery of the pebbles, the medium-sized rocks, and the large rock. And so I want to use those same metaphors as we talk about, about the things we need to forgive. So the pebbles are not big things. They're just kind of little things. Sometimes the pebbles are kind of the things we regret about ourselves, the things we wish we were. When I was a little girl, my mom was not very crafty. I am not very crafty either. And my mom felt terrible that she wasn't crafty enough to make me Halloween costumes. Other mothers could make these amazing Halloween extravaganzas, and she had to get me something store-bought or kind of make up something that was provisional because she just wasn't very crafty. Now, let me be clear. I did not care. <laughs> I loved my mother. I was perfectly happy with my Halloween costumes, but she felt really bad that she was not someone who could make Halloween costumes for her daughter. Years go on. Now I'm theoretically a grown-up, and I have my own pebbles. My mom was tidy. I am not tidy. The family thought that surely the years would pass and I would become like my mother and I would become tidy. It never happened. Finally, I realized I am not tidy because I am just like my father. <laughs> my father was not tidy. I am like my dad. I never got my mom's tidiness. And mostly, I can laugh and joke about it, but the truth is it upsets me. It's a pebble for me. I wish I were tidy, or I think I should be tidy. And the fact that I'm sloppy is something I carry around. I'm upset about myself. I wish I were different. But it's still basically a pebble. But then there are those medium-sized things. It's, it's bigger than a pebble in your shoe. And it can get heavy if you carry it around a long enough time. These are those mid-sized things that need forgiveness. Maybe the time that you knew exactly what would hurt another person, so you said it because you knew it would go right to the target. Or maybe it is uh, something you knew that the person needed you to keep in confidence, but you told it anyway. It hurt the person. 
These are those kind of medium-sized things where you messed up or where you didn't do something that you really knew you needed to do. When I was in my 20s, my home church was called Whedon in Evanston, and there was a wonderful laywoman there, a pastoral counselor named Bonnie Nicewander. We just clicked right away. I loved Bonnie. And she was so supportive when I went overseas as a missionary, and then when I came back for seminary in my early years of ministry, we kept our friendship going over the various places that I lived. Well, then my, my second year of full-time ministry, Bonnie had been having some issues, and they were guessing they were neurological. She kept undergoing testing, and they kept ruling things out. They couldn't figure out what was happening. Finally, in January, they figured it out, and she was diagnosed with ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease, a degenerative disease in which people lose muscle function, and eventually it takes their lives. Bonnie's disease, although it took a long time to, to diagnose, progressed very quickly. And so we'd gotten together in January when she told me that was the diagnosis. And then we met for lunch sometime maybe February or March. And we went out to a restaurant and she'd ordered pod thai. And very early on, she realized she couldn't suck up the noodle. She'd lost the swallowing and that function within her mouth, and she set it aside, and that was the last time she ate out in a restaurant. She realized she was losing her muscle function that quickly. We had a wonderful time together and prayed together, and she went back to Park Ridge, and I went back to Naperville, promised I'd come see her again. But I was brand new in that congregation. It was super busy, and I got pulled away by things, and I meant to go see Bonnie, but I was busy and doing this and doing that, and then Bonnie died. She died in June, diagnosed in January, died in June. It was really quick. How did I not make time and space to go visit Bonnie? I loved Bonnie. I had a really hard time forgiving myself for that. I'm a pastor. I know how important visits are. How did I not go do this thing that I know is really important? And it was a rock I carried around for a long time. How did I not go do that? I know what's important but clearly I didn't. And then there are the really big stones. Now, you may not have one of these, but some of you do. The really big stones are the deal breakers, the things that can come into our lives and redefine them in very painful and challenging ways. So the really big rock might be infidelity. The really big rock might be an accident, just a moment that has lifelong consequences. One of my friends was riding with his wife late at night and they were very tired and she fell asleep for an instant and the car flipped and he is paralyzed for the rest of his life. She felt horrible. He forgave her, but how could she be the one who was driving and fell asleep and now her husband is paralyzed? It was a hard one to forgive. There are the big rocks that come from uh, things that we did while we were in the throes of an addiction. So the gambling addiction that led to bankruptcy for a family, or the drug or alcohol addiction that led to someone losing a job. Those uh, sins like embezzlement or other bad behaviors that become public, and that becomes how the person is known. Oh, that's the guy who gambled all their family money. She's the one who couldn't control her drinking and lost her job. Oh, 
that's the one that backed down the driveway and hurt one of their family members. And these things can become definitions of who we are. Oh, that's the one. Those are the big rocks. They can become how we are known. And they can take over our lives. I'm grateful for the words of Brian Stevenson. Brian is a lawyer who wrote the book Just Mercy, which was made into a movie recently. And uh, he's worked primarily with people on death row and overturning convictions of people who were innocent and uh, falsely accused. He says, we are all more than the worst thing we have ever done. We are all more than the worst thing we've ever done. There may be bad things we've done in our lives, or there may have been really important things we didn't do. It's true. Can't be taken away. And we are more than that. Who we are, our definition of our identity, is more than the worst thing we've ever done. This is where our scriptures are such a profound resource to us if we're struggling around forgiveness. We turn to the Gospel of Mark, and I want to just give some background in this moment. The passage that I read to you comes from the tail end of Jesus' life. This is in the final week of his life. And we know that throughout Jesus' ministry, people were attracted to him and wanted to follow him. But he also gained opposition and enemies. And in the passages right before what I read to you, there were people trying to trip Jesus up. They were asking him tricky questions, trying to, to trap him in something. And, and while people had been asking these trippy, tricky questions, he'd been able to respond with grace and describe a very good man, had watched Jesus and seen the wisdom of his responses. And so the scribe asked him, teacher, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus responds, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, what Jewish people refer to as the Shema from here. Hear, O Israel. This is first. God is first. And the second is like it. You shall love the Lord your God. I'm sorry, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you may think, well, that's pretty obvious. Love your neighbor as yourself. Some of us are pretty selfish. And we're pretty good at loving ourselves. We're not so good at loving the neighbor. And we need to hear that teaching about loving the neighbor as ourselves. But I'm struck by how many good church people are the other way around. They're really good at loving the neighbor. They're not so good at loving themselves. <laughs> they can be much more compassionate toward the neighbor, much more generous, much more merciful. But when it comes to themselves, they're tough. They need to hear that teaching, love your neighbor as yourself. If you are stingy in love for yourself... You don't want to pass that same stinginess on to another person. Jesus is saying, no, love your neighbor, love yourself. And so the proper balance that we hear from this passage in the Gospel of Mark is God first and then self and neighbor. When we have God first and self and neighbor in balance, we live a life of grace and compassion and peace and justice, and life can be in harmony. When we don't have God first, it can fall out of balance. When we don't love our neighbor as ourself, or we don't love ourselves as much as we love our neighbor, we get skewed and we can circumvent God's desire for grace in our lives. 
And then we go to Paul's teaching in 1 Timothy. It's so easy to forget who Paul was before he became Paul the Apostle. So let's go back. We read in Acts that there was a man named Saul, and he was a Pharisee, and he was zealous for the law. He was just, he was righteous, and he knew that this Jesus movement was wrong. And so he was busy persecuting the followers of Jesus. We read that when Stephen, one of the first apostles, was making witness about God's love and grace, Saul was there egging on the crowd as they stoned Stephen and killed him. That's Saul, the persecutor. He was so zealous about stamping out this Jesus movement that he had asked for papers of introduction so he could go to Damascus because he'd heard this Jesus movement was taking off in Damascus and the Jews there, and so he was going to go stamp it out. And on the way, on the road to Damascus, he had this amazing experience. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he had this amazing conversion. He realized that he'd been persecuted, he had been persecuting Jesus himself, not only Jesus' followers. And he was ministered to by those same Christians he was going to persecute. And Jesus gave him a new name, Paul. And Saul, the persecutor, experienced profound conversion and became Paul, the apostle. It is because of Paul that the Gentile mission happened. Paul is the one who went out into those regions north of the Jewish areas, went up into Asia Minor and over into Europe. It's because of Paul that we have Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians. We have all these books because of Paul. Imagine if Paul had had this moment of conversion from Jesus and then had decided, oh my heavens, I was a persecutor of the Jesus movement. I'm worthless. I'm a worm. God can't work through me and shut down. If Paul had decided that he was too bad to be forgiven, Christianity wouldn't be what it is now. The grace of God broke into Saul's heart and allowed him to receive grace in Jesus, and he received that grace. He allowed himself to forgive himself. And so he could say in 1 Timothy, I'm so grateful to Dan for recommending this passage, look at me. I was a blasphemer and a persecutor. Look at me. Jesus has forgiven me. You can know that same forgiveness and grace. Paul shows us that the fact that he could be converted, the fact that God's forgiveness and compassion are so wide, is what empowered his very witness. I'm so struck by people I will meet. It tends to happen two or three times a year that I'll meet someone who's not a regular churchgoer, and that person will say something to me like, oh, I can't even step in that sanctuary, lightning would strike. Happens sometimes when I'm working with a funeral family. The parents might have been very active in the church. Maybe the adult kids aren't as active. And one of them will say, oh, God, I haven't been in the church since confirmation. If I walk in there, lightning will strike. And I think, yeah, no, it won't. God loves you. Come. Welcome. This is your place. That is the grace of our God. What is it that gets in the way when we have a hard time forgiving ourselves? As I have studied and prayed in preparation for this passage, two things have come to my heart, and the first one is a tough one. 
It's a tough one to swallow. Sometimes we don't forgive ourselves because of pride. When I think about my own life, some of the things I've had a hard time forgiving myself for were because of pride. I didn't want to believe that I was a person who would do that. And to confess, we have to acknowledge we did this. And so it was hard fully to confess because I didn't want to believe I was that person. I'm a pastor. I know to go visit people that are sick. How dare I be a person who didn't visit my friend Bonnie when she had ALS? Boom, boom, boom. Why do I keep beating myself up? Pride. Because I thought I was better than that. Once I could acknowledge, yeah, I'm not better than that. I really messed up. Once I could say that to God and say, yeah, thank you, God. This is humbling. Let me do better in the future. Then I could forgive myself. It was the pride that was getting in the way. When I've had situations where there were relationships that got to be difficult and couldn't seem to get out of it and I didn't have the patience and compassion that I wanted to have, uh, it's hard for me to see myself that way. And so it's been hard for me to forgive myself when those situations have come up in my life because I think I'm not like that, but the truth is I am. When I can put down my pride and say, yeah, I am a person who some relationships really hook me and I don't respond in the way I want to. Yep, that's me. I own it, God, forgive me. Then I can forgive myself. If the problem isn't pride, sometimes the problem is our image of God, that our God is too small, that we imagine God as the big judge in the sky who hates us, who's looking for us to trip up. That is not remotely who God is. God forgave Saul. <laughs> Jesus forgave Saul. Saul was this amazing persecutor of the Jesus movement, and God called him to be the apostle to the Gentile. We worship a forgiving and compassionate God. There is nothing, as Jody was saying, there is nothing you can do that is beyond God's capacity to forgive and to redeem. In fact, as Paul pointed out, the fact that he had had this transformation is part of what made his witness so powerful. Look at me, I was a persecutor, now I'm a witness. Think about some of the beautiful conversion stories we think of in history. Think of the song, Amazing Grace. John Newton was a slave trader. He kept and traded slaves. He treated human beings, precious children of God, as property. Sin, sin, sin. And he received conversion through the grace of Jesus Christ. And he wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. And he stopped being a slave trader and he started to work for abolition. He was converted. And when we sing Amazing Grace, we hear the depth of that awareness of God's grace. Who hears a slave trader? <laughs> God loved John Newton. God forgave John Newton. John Newton allowed himself to receive the grace God offered and wrote one of the most beloved hymns of history, Amazing Grace. Brothers and sisters, we've got, we've got these rocks. The things we carry around when we don't forgive ourselves, they might just be pebbles. They might be middle-sized rocks. They might be big boulders. And we can carry them around for a long time and they become heavy. But here's what we know. If these are what we're carrying around, if we can't forgive ourselves, 
Our hands aren't free to hug, to hold, to care. Our hands aren't free to open the scriptures and to see God's forgiving love and know how great and compassionate our God is. May this be the day that we practice self-forgiveness, that we trust that God can work in our lives and give us grace to forgive even ourselves for what we have done or not done. May that grace be all of ours today. Amen.